Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm so thankful you guys are here once again on another episode. Currently, I am in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, getting my L2 for CrossFit coaching. It's a pretty intense process, actually. It's it's not so much on the foundational movements. Um, we talk about them, but it's more so learning how to coach, how to see movement, how to correct movement, how to demonstrate for a class, how to organize a class, how to uh, show you know a positive, uplifting attitude, and we're going to go over programming, and then uh, we'll also be doing group instruction where like I will actually uh, teach a class basically um, to a smaller group of people. And today it was pretty interesting because you know I, I have this fear of speaking in front of people. Uh, uh, large scale, like if I had to do it in front of a larger audience where this was, um, we had broke out into groups and there's only 12 people here because the L2 is a little bit smaller. So it's a little bit more, uh, interactive and it's easier to manage for the two instructors from CrossFit, uh, seminar staff. And so we had six people in my group and I had to teach a one-on-one. And so the other Four people were sitting there watching, and then the other main instructor from the seminar staff was critiquing my coaching. And so you, you can imagine me teaching someone, and it's, it was deadlift, and it's, it's something that I know a lot about, but you know how it is, like when you know it's a little bit higher pressure situation, you forget things, like easy stuff. Like I didn't even talk about the bar path, like you want to kind of shave the bar down your legs and keep it close. I skipped right over that. And that's like one of the main coaching points. But, you know, it went really well. But the thing I liked is that it pushed me into discomfort. And, you know, it, it seems like a bad thing for someone that doesn't like speaking in front of a larger group of people. It was a, it was a safe space. It's something I am passionate about. It's something I know a lot of information about. And so it was a safer area to kind of dip my toe into that, that fear zone. But it was intense. Like, you know, it's, it's, you're vulnerable, you're getting critiqued. Now, I don't take it personally. I know it's a growth, you know, a growing experience for me. Um, I don't get a lot of that on a regular basis for as far as coaching goes. And so um, I made it through it. You know, I was, I was starting to talk myself up into being like, okay, you're gonna have to do this. It might be like this. They might think this. And I was like, wait, you do this every day. You know what you're doing. Just imagine you're talking to the people that are in your box every day. And you'll be just fine. And and it went really well. And I really appreciate the fact that I, I was getting that that coaching feedback and getting myself out of my own comfort zone. And so it was a it was a great experience. Uh there's the end of first day today, sitting in my hotel room. I just ate a bunch of sushi and I'm about to eat a, a quest bar here in a little bit too. Hopefully I don't get too bloated, but I don't care because I'm gonna hang my hat on a good day. So for the episode today, uh, let's see here. Question number one. I hadn't had anxiety in the past, but now I find myself not being able to stay focused, not being able to fall asleep. I've had some major life events like a death of a loved one recently. What would you consider the difference between anxiety and worrying about life events? I have semi-rational worries that spiral into so many what-ifs. I've tried box breathing with little help. I'm so glad that you've tried box breathing. Uh, and that might not, might not be the fix for you. So 
which is okay. Uh, the breathing thing works for certain people. Uh, the, the reason I like it is because it gets some good oxygen in your body and can calm down some of those physical symptoms. Um, I can relate to your question because that's when my anxiety started is um, there was some people in my life that died um, from cancer and then my older brother got cancer and so I started to worry about dying from cancer. It's very rational and I think that life events and worry about those can be a safe place to be. You know, if you're a parent, you worry about something happening to your children if your you know, loved one is sick, you worry about them getting even sicker and possibly passing away, and which is a very rational type of worry when you're grieving. Now, grieving doesn't necessarily have to be from death. It can be grieving a life change experience. For me, when I finally hung up my football cleats and quit uh, trying out for football, I had to grieve that process and I didn't realize that. And so I struggled with self-identity for so long because I didn't grieve. And so what I would say about this question, what's the difference between worrying about life events and anxiety? The anxiety is going to be all consuming. It's going to overflow your every thought. It's going to um, take over your life. It's going to give you physical symptoms. It's going to give you a rapid heart rate and you're not going to be able to move on and enjoy things. And so if your worry is starting to get more regular and it's starting to get a little bit more intense, you're probably getting close to having some anxiety issues. Now, the thing about it is do a little research on grief because there's a lot of information out there on how to properly grieve and how to properly move on. Now, there may be some things from the loved one that you have that have passed away that are sticking with you. And so maybe starting to address some of that stuff is going to get you past that worry. Now, if you're someone that hasn't had anxiety, like you said, this might just be that grieving process has got its you know, fingers dug deep into you and it's not letting go. So I would start with addressing the grief part of the process. You know, there's, there's different stages and steps and there's different things you can do to get through it. And I would start with that. Now, if it gets to a point that the thoughts of something bad happening um, take over your, your days and your nights and it sounds like you're having some sleep issues, I would find some things that you did before this event happened that would calm you down and start bringing those back around and implementing them back into your day-to-day. So for me, that would have been, like, I love spa music and being a big giant dude, this is going to probably be a funny visual for those of you that know me, but I like taking baths. Um, I always feel at peace in, in water. I always feel calm in hot tubs or bubble baths or uh, Epsom salt baths, which I do that for physical recovery, but it's also a way for me to kind of get centered and relax. And so I, when I do end up getting stressed out, which isn't very often anymore, I'll jump back in the bathtub and I'll throw some Epsom salts in there, maybe even some essential oils. I was not a believer in essential oils ever until I don't even know when we got some, but I tried to use it for a few things and I'm like, you know, I'm in it. Like, I love it. There's, there's that stuff works. And, uh, you know, it's not uh, snake oil and it's not something that people are just selling to make money. You know, essential oils do work. So take it or leave it. 
That's just uh, my opinion and my experience. So start writing a list of those things that you have done in the past that help you calm down. Now, if you don't have any, I would just look up stuff on Google and start trying it. Start checking off stuff. Like get a list of 10 things, start at the top, and kind of journal what works, what doesn't. And try to bring some of that stuff back around. But in, in all reality, your issue is probably grief related. So I would start there. And I would also suggest going to talk to somebody about grief. It is a bear. And it is like a bear that is also paired with a wood tick. And so it's going to dig into you and kind of hang on to you until you pull it out and address it. So I hope that helps. Hope that answers your questions. If you have any more questions, just shoot me a message. Um, whether it's through the website or through uh, email at anxietywad at gmail. And just let me know if you have any more questions on that. So I hope that helps. All right, so question two. Should I begin therapy sessions? Which type and for how long? Now, that's, uh, that's pretty broad and general. And so if you're asking if you should do therapy, you probably should. So if you're already starting to kind of think about doing that, um, you probably should, mainly because they're going to show you the door to healing. You're the one that's going to have to walk through it. Um, and when I talked to, with Kate, when she was on the show, um, when I got out of therapy, I had all these tools. I just didn't know how to put them together. And so fortunately for me, I had someone that was also my holistic chiropractor that was really big into personal development. And so she kind of helped me put together that toolbox of tools I got from therapy and head off in a direction of personal development. So you're, you're thinking about therapy, which is great. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. When you are sick physically, you go to the doctor. When you are sick or having issues mentally, you go to a doctor and that's a therapist. They're going to help you sort out your thoughts. They're going to ask a lot of questions now, if you do go, go to cognitive, behavioral, you know, that, that kind of thing. But if you do go, be completely honest. The more honest and vulnerable you get early on, the less you have to go. So it's like cannonballing into ice cold water or dipping your toes in. So, the you know, if you start on the shallow end and start walking in slowly into cold water... It is going to take forever to get used to that, and it's going to be painful the whole way. Now, if you get, come in and you're vulnerable, you say, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. These are the symptoms. These are the thoughts. These, this is the craziness that's going on inside my head right now. You're cannonballing. And so you're going to jump in. It's going to be shocking. It might hurt a little bit, but you didn't spend all that time wading into the deep end. You went right into the deep end and the sooner you get into the deep end, the sooner you can climb out of the side of the pool and heal. Now, what kind and uh, how often uh, I would just, I, I recently just had a conversation with someone and I usually suggest going to multiple therapists and finding the one that you feel the most comfortable being vulnerable with. Now, what's going to happen is that person's going to scare you, but that's probably the one that you need to go to. Now, if you're uncomfortable with someone, you're just not vibing with them, that's fine. Find another one, try another one. But if you find someone like, man, I could really open up to this person, that's the one to go to. 
how often, uh, you know, it depends upon what you're dealing with. Um, you really didn't mention what, we, what you're dealing with, but you know, I'd say one to two times a week is plenty starting out, maybe even just once a week. Um, now, if you have a significant issue, like you're having panic attacks, you don't sleep, you can't even leave your house, which is kind of where I was at, I would go three times a week, if not more, until you can get yourself to a point where you're actually sleeping. Lack of sleep is going to make you even, you know, nuttier in the head. And just to, to say this too, I say crazy and nuttier, and I'm talking about myself. I, I'm, I don't know the person that asked this question and I don't know the people that are listening, but uh, it's not meant to offend you guys. I, I talk about it in my own regard. And so I'm not attacking anybody because what you're feeling is completely real. And that was my wife. She must miss me because I'm down here in the cities and she's back home. But yeah, you're, what you're feeling is completely real. And so um, I don't mean to take a dig. It's, it's kind of a dig at myself just because you know, I'm kind of, like I said, I like to use humor. And for me, that's that's my own humor and things. So I apologize if that offends you. It's not meant to offend you. It's just meant to kind of make light of my own struggles. So I hope that helps. If you got any more questions about therapy, definitely go. There's You're not going to regret it. Like there's no point in being like, well, that was a waste of time. Well, if it was a waste of time, you probably didn't open up the way you should have and just do it again next time. So there you go. Uh, next question. And so this, this is kind of an interesting question and you know, I, it, it kind of goes back and forth with some of the research that I've read over the years. And the question is, is anxiety inherited? Like, is it something that's passed down through a family? And I think that, um, in my experience, it, it, it does run in families. Now that can be, um, you know, biology, like how you're put together personality wise, could be environmental and it could be just like, if you have the extremes of mental illness, I, I do believe that there are studies out there that that is inherited. Um, there's a tendency to develop anxiety disorders from your parents or other close relatives. I know that. Um, but it can also be triggered by traumatic events or other aspects of your environment or, or your life. And so, you know, I, I, I've st read studies that have said both. No, it's not inherited. Yes, it is inherited. The one thing for me right now is my son has anxious tendencies. Now, he's in a very loving environment. He's in a very structured environment. Me and my wife are both very loving towards each other. And I think it's more of he's very particular in how things are set up for himself. And so teaching him how to think through things that make him anxious. Now, my wife mentioned when she was on that she has OCD tendencies. And so I think that might be some of the things that cause him issues. But, you know, he was also, he had a really hard time sleeping as a baby. Um, he had a lot of uh, like GERD, not GERD, what is it? Not, I was going to say gout, but <laughs> he's not an 87-year-old person. But whatever that is with, with the throat and they spit up. And anyways, he had a lot of, he was sick a lot. He had a lot of ear infections. And um, the other thing with him is he grew up around me where I've had a lot of orthopedic surgeries. And so some of his stuff with his health is environmental. So... Um, that's my personal experience. Now, um, my mom and dad 
both did not have anxiety. Um, my mom went through a lot growing up in her environment. So it's kind of surprising. I, I think she may have had some bouts with it, but I don't think she had it to the extreme that I went through it. Um, because when I was going through it, it was somewhat new to her. And, you know, she being someone that studied sociology had experience with the extremes of mental illness, but like general anxiety was something that was a little foreign to her. And then we got a pamphlet from the doctor and then she started learning about it. And then she kind of took off because she likes researching psychology and sociology. And so, um, there are, uh, people in my extended family that have anxiety that I know of, you know, cousins, um, aunts or uncles. And so, you know, my siblings have had bouts with it, but I don't think to the extreme that I have as well. And so, you know, the, my, my personal belief, and I'll, I'll read some actual medical studies here in a second, but my personal belief is that the extremes are more than likely inherited where like general anxiety can be like there is a tendency or uh, yeah, a tendency is probably the best word to have some anxious issues if it has been in your family. I don't think it is directly inherited. I'm like, they can't find a gene that says that's the anxiety gene. From what I've read, that doesn't mean that I am correct. So I hope that helps there. But I'm going to read some stuff here in a second. All right, so uh, one of the studies here, I'm just going to read the summary of the studies, but it says researchers are learning that anxiety disorders run in families and that they have a biological basis, much like allergies or diabetes and other disorders. Now, they always don't express like those others. That doesn't make sense. Anyways, they don't express like um, allergies or diabetes always do in families, but the anxiety disorders may develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. And so... What they're saying in this study is that it, there's not one direct link from parent to child or aunt and uncle to, to nephew or niece. So, and, and like anything on the internet, you can research and find studies to both prove and disprove. It just kind of depends upon who's paying for the study. So, like, when it comes to something with mental illness, I, I think it pays to do more research than just finding one thing online. And you want to look at medical journals when you're reading studies. Don't necessarily look at blogs. Not saying that bloggers uh, aren't truthful, um, but they're not as thorough unless they're reviewing a journal article. So try to find some journal articles about that. There's also websites like healingwell.com that have anxiety forums that do a better job of explaining the, um, you know, the inherited aspects of mental illness and like i said the extremes of mental illness like um you know uh, schizophrenia uh, um, uh what's it called split personality disorder manic depression those types of things and you know they they do believe that those are inherited and um they have a tendency to run in families and they're not always expressed in every family member but they're there so i hope that helps and you know like I said, I always say is just ask me more questions. If you need anything else, I can kind of ramble on and kind of make my way through these questions. But, uh, you know, you guys do a wonderful job giving me feedback when I need it. So just let me know. 
And so the other thing I'm going to do today is, is talk a little bit about my CrossFit journey. Um, being that I'm at this L2, I was reflecting back. Um, I'm, I'm in the same box, which is CrossFit St. Louis Park, that I did my L1. And that was five years ago, coming up this June. So it's almost five years since I started coaching. And, uh, you know, I, I started six years ago. And the first workout I did was Elizabeth. And it's power cleans. Or no, wait, I think it's full cleans, squat cleans. And dips. And I did it in the rec center in Carroll, Iowa. And I think it took me 17 minutes. Um, I just redid it a couple of years ago. And I think it took me seven minutes or something like that. And so um, I found CrossFit after I found Miranda Oldroyd's uh, story online when she broke her neck. I just put in exercise, broken neck. Because I was coming off having my neck fusion surgery when I was um, like 35. I'm 41 now. And I was like, I'm sick of doing the home workouts. I'm sick of being a runner. I'm sick of buys, tries, chest and back workouts. I'm like, I need something else. I need something that's going to kind of light that fire. I, at that point, I was done with football. I was done with kickboxing. Obviously, when you got a piece of metal in your neck, getting hit in the head is not a good thing. Um, and so I was looking for something else, and I found it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. And so I did that workout, Elizabeth, in the rec center, and it floored me. And just like everybody else, it's like, I need to do more of that. Like, that was the closest thing I had gotten to a game day in, so I was 35 in like 13 years since my last college football game. And I, I was hooked. And for me, I was like, okay, I know there's not a gym in Carroll where I'm at. Maybe I'll start a gym. And I started the process of looking into starting an affiliate. And in that, um, I went to the affiliate map and lo and behold, there was a guy that um, I actually knew in town that had started one. And it was actually in the same place that I used to go to kickboxing, which is the crazy thing. And so I walked in there and I'm like, what? There's a CrossFit gym in my town. It's a town of like 10,000 people. So it's not that surprising, but um, I didn't think there was. And so I walked in, it was the same place. And, you know, there's floor mats everywhere, barbells everywhere, pull-up bar, pull bars. Um, there was even rings. Um, we actually ended up having a rope. And so I started and I could barely do one pull-up. <laughs> which is, you know, it's funny now, six years later, but, um, it was very humbling. And for me, that's exactly why I love it is it humbles me every day. Uh, being someone that could basically do anything I wanted to physically when I was at peak, when I was a peak athlete. Um, I like things that humble me because they're hard for me. Uh, sports are a flow state for me. Everything gets quiet. And that's why I was good at football and basketball is that I could just hyper-focus and see what I needed to do before it really happened. And so CrossFit is a way of humbling uh, the best of us. And it has a way of humbling even the best athletes, you know, the fittest on earth. And it's good to practice humility um, because like I talk on this, our ego gets really fractured when we're struggling. And when our ego is fractured, we start to shame ourselves. I'm not good at this. I am this. I am that. I am this. I am that. Shame, 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 shame. And if you're a person that does that, you need to mend that fracture 
um, mainly because you're causing it. There's no reason to beat yourself up. That's, you know, the things that we do that are bad or the things that we make mistakes on, it's not who we are. It's just things we've done. You know, there's things in my past that I was pretty mean to people. Now, does it benefit me to beat myself up about that now? Or does it benefit me to say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to make sure people understand that I do really care about them. I'm, if I'm hurting, I'm not going to hurt someone else. I don't want anybody to feel the way I'm feeling if I'm hurting. I'm not going to lash out at people and, and bring them down to where I'm at. Why not lift them up? Maybe they'll reach out a hand and pull me up with them. It's always going to benefit you to be nice to people. You never know what other people are going through. I've had multiple people contact me since starting this show that we're doing good people. Keep asking questions. Keep sending them in. We're, we're helping people. I never imagined that this would be where it's at right now. This is kind of evolving into, yeah, we're talking about CrossFit, we're talking about anxiety, but we're talking about something super important like mental health. Everybody has something. Everybody struggles. Everybody can reach a hand out and lift someone up. So, your workout for today. Next time, you have the option or the opportunity to help someone do it. Now, I hope I am coming off intense because um, without getting into it, I, I recently have talked to somebody that we lifted them up from a pretty dark place. And so for you, it may be as small as opening the door it may be grabbing that grocery bag that someone drops at the grocery store, letting someone go ahead of you at the grocery store, whatever it may be. Give someone a hug. Give them a smile. Say hello. How are you today? Every little thing you do can help. So do that at least once a day for the next week. And thank you guys for joining me. I hope you guys have a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back. Keep asking questions. We're going to figure this out, I promise. See you!